0: met my next guest at an organized cottage weekend where a mutual friend brought together some friends that she had that she thought really needed to meet each other and was she ever right because when my next guest walked into the cottage i was drawn to this very calm yet confident energy Once we sat down and started to get more comfortable, she engaged me or I engaged her, I can't remember, it's probably me, in the topic of sex. And through the night, we ended up by segueing into the topic of how culture can act as a lens to how we view ourselves and view others as sexual beings. She talked about what it was like growing up in Burundi, which was really interesting to me because I had never met anybody from Burundi before and didn't know a whole lot about their culture. She talked about growing up in Burundi and just had some amazing stories to share about her, her family, her parents, her aunties. We also got on the topic of sensuality and it turns out that Fatima also was running a sensuality workshop and how she teaches it to other people, because it's one of those concepts that can sometimes be hard to get your head around. I loved every minute of it, and I knew at some point our paths were going to cross again. I didn't have a podcast at the time, but here we are. Everyone, I cannot wait to introduce to you Fatima Kemenge. Fatima is the founder of Social Awesome, which is a consulting firm that focuses on building more socially and environmentally responsible enterprises. Fatima is a true entrepreneur, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. Enjoy.
1: So I pulled some cards. I pull some every morning. And the ones that I pulled today, one was the devil. Um, I've never pulled that card before. This is what it reads. Chained to your lusty desires. You have the ability to free yourself. Animal attraction. Things are getting dark. Obsessive codependency. Things can change, but only if you can take action to free yourself. The pitfalls of addiction, the shadow self is here. Raw sexuality. Don't let the forces of darkness overpower you. Um, We can go from there.
0: (laughs) Do not let the forces of darkness overpower you, Fatima. How are you feeling about being here today?
1: Um, I come from a very, very, very uh, conservative and religious family. And, And whether I like it or not, I'm a bit of a prude at times, um, at least in public. So my my private persona is not mm-hmm. much of a prude, and I've I've relied on the fact that I don't have to be a prude um, in private to be exactly who I want to be. But this is this is a different realm. This is a public space. Um, yes. And there is a, a, a an anticipation of fear around being public, yes, with what I have been so free in um in private. Mm,
0: thank you so much, Fatima, for saying that, and I will graciously move on from any question you don't feel comfortable answering i met you at a mutual friend's cottage we didn't know each other you yes. had come in late maybe you were a day late actually
1: <laughs>
0: because because you were doing a sensuality workshop And when I heard that, my ears perked up. And we had conversations around that. It was really cool. And then we got into talking a bit about you and your story and what it was like growing up in Burundi, how you live your life now, living in Canada. And I remember asking you some questions around what was it like growing up there? How how do people think about sex and sexuality? Mm -hmm. And it was just like this really great day and night of hearing really cool stories that you had about you and your travels and your family. And that's why I reached out to you, you have this combination of being mm-hmm. open to talking about sexuality and sensuality, and also your travels that came after that. You also have a private consultant company called Social Awesome, where Social you awesome. work with business owners and look at how to make their company more socially responsible, including self-care, environmental impacts and socially responsible investing.
1: Yes, Um, I was just on a walk this morning with a friend and we were talking about uh, how we are all 50% of every conversation or every interaction that we have. And I think the 50% that you bring is 45% sex. (laughs) Who, me? The other person might have maybe 5% sex becomes 30% sex (laughs) when it comes to having a conversation with you, which is fun. Um, And also because sex and sexuality and sensuality are things that um, many of us might do and also, at least when it comes to me, and I'm always speak for myself, it's been a journey of healing, really. And and healing that was even unknown for most of the times. It's like I didn't know the 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 the, the hurt and the And the pieces that I needed to undo in order to build who I am as a person, as a sexual being, and come to it, removing the shame, removing the guilt around it. Um, And also reconciling what might have been the traditional Burundian ways of sex with the Christian current Burundian ways of sex. Because the, the current way in which Burundi lives its sexuality and then at least outwardly is very much influenced by Christianity and the yes. Victorian British ways of being, which, which is against my spirit and my ancestors' spirit because mm. I, it doesn't, it, it, it's colonialism on the other side of things. So we could talk about colonialism and sex <laughs> if you want um, and how and how really I didn't have the vocabulary for it but for for as long as I've started growing as an adult and, and, and exploring what sexuality was for me it's been a, a process of decolonializing myself and my sexual life
0: When did you start to find that sexual part of yourself started to emerge? Was this something that even as a young person, you had this curiosity?
1: So as a young person, I got to explore. I got to kiss girls, boys, touch each other in a way that was... Uh, not charged at all. Mm. In, in a way, there was no charge to it. I I didn't develop my curves, which are very ample right now, but I, they didn't come until much later in my life. So I was able to, to live in this androgynous place where, unlike my cousins who were immediately told, you're a woman, go and that you're not to be seen with a man, you're not to be that 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 piece of protectionism that is really oppression that comes to girls young didn't come to me because I was very tomboyish and androgynous in my body so I got to to make out with as many girls as I did boys Mm -hmm. and I got to live that mostly because I I I was just flying under the radar and i flew under the radar because at 11 we left burundi and lived in other african countries which meant that i might have looked like I, I like i was a local but i wasn't a local so none of the none of the the usual societal pressures that are put on the local girls were put on me i was a foreigner and thus i got to get away with a lot of things hmm. so i got to get away with um with playing with the boys and playing with the girls a certain way. I I I I was weird because they assumed, oh, it's because you're from a different culture. Right. So it was never as, ascribed to me as a person. And then at a certain time, I think maybe around 16, 15, I continued doing so. I went to international schools. So we we it was fairly liberal. Um I was in a fairly, very liberal bubble. Yeah. And my yeah. parents were, were working a lot and traveling a lot. So I was in a liberal bubble, kind of unsupervised, with lots of access, um, which is yeah. great, but, you know, has its own issues when it comes to that. And then I came to Canada. At what age? And I was, I think I was. I was gonna turn eighteen that year in the fall. Mm-hmm. So I was seventeen and I was turning eighteen. And Michelle, I had been flea flowing. i I had I don't remember not having a boyfriend and a girlfriend at the same time. I was just I'd i be I'd be physical with everyone and intimate with And was there any part of yourself
0: while you were doing that? Given that you would have grown up in a culture, a Christian culture where same-sex relationships
1: are Oh okay, yeah, it's illegal. Like illegal. In Burundi though, Burundi is also the same place that at some point passed a law, and I don't think it's still the same, where a man and a woman who are not married are not or siblings are not allowed to be at a bar together. Same Burundi, right? Like it's the it's not just the same sex aspect of things. It's the, it's the policing of sex in general. It is not just the policing of the kind of sex you get to have. It's you, the policing of all the sex that anybody gets to have. I was, and that's the unique thing about me, I was liminal. I would go to Burundi just on vacation. Um, I remember once making out with a boy Going back to the club, I was in a club, um, and maybe I was like 18 or 19 at a time, and coming back out, making out with a girl, coming back in, and then coming back and making out with a different boy, and a policeman arresting us for public mm-hmm. indecency, and his argument was, "It, I'm just confused. This, you've, you You come out with a different person each time, and... <laughs> I was 18 and making out with people. And he
0: arrested you because he because was he, confused. He wanted
1: to arrest us for public indecency, but really he wanted a bribe and he was also really confused as to um what was going on with me. Because <laughs> I, I was I was I was clearly not um not a sex worker. Yeah, and I was yet doing doing something that in his mind, on, a woman would only do such like a woman is not is not allowed to have to to, to do that. If he had been a man coming out with multiple partners, a different part, it, it would make sense. But a woman cannot possibly make out with three different people in one night, unless she's a sex worker. Right, and and that that's a necessity and something that she does because she has to do it. So the idea that a woman has desires and that they can be mercurial and and varied was so confused to him, so confusing mm. to him that he was like, I, I, like I want money, of course. But really, what the hell are you? <laughs> what kind yeah. of unique animal are you? And and then.
0: Does that, at some point, make it confusing for you?
1: Oh, yeah. So the first confusion was in Canada. Mm. When I got here, suddenly everybody asked me what my labels were. Mm. Again, I had been living in this beautiful liminal place where nobody ever asked me to label myself. Or ever questioned who I was because they just assumed that was weird. And weird is something you don't question. Weird is something that you just see and accept for what it is as long as it doesn't bother you. Mm-hmm. And because that's the world I had lived in, I had assumed that that's the way the world works. Right. I come to Canada, which is the place where everything is technically well-known and alive. And it's the place where I was asked to label myself. Are you are you gay? Are you straight? Are you bisexual? Is bisexual? And this was in 2004, the biphobia <laughs> that exists. Like we hadn't even started really talking in the mainstream about two-spirit people, about, about being attracted to the people's spirit as opposed to... Um, to a specific thing that they have on their body. Um, yeah. There were so many conversations I I had yet to be privy to that were not in the mainstream and that were not in a space that was accessible to me mm-hmm. that I think would have been used, so useful for me at the time. But I came in and it was very much, what are you? And I was like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it wasn't a question of what are you, tell us who you are. It's like, here are the boxes. Now, take one. And I was like, yeah. there are boxes? What are boxes?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, it's very, very confused. Yeah, that
0: must have been really confusing. In Burundi, my understanding is that within families, you don't typically share the last name. No. And that you can choose to be part of that family when you grow up. But the reason that they give you that individual identity is so that your life isn't necessarily – Connected to the family
1: if you don't want it to be. Mm. That has changed, and we're very social. Like, we will live and die by our, by our social connections. Um, whose family you're part of is what gives you access to everything and anything that you need. Um, it's still, it's still a very a very and it's it's, a, it's the same in many African places. It's like who, which family you belong to, has a lot of that. But yes, that piece, that unique piece of like you get to have your own name. Um, it's also a very small country, so it's not like you can really hide which family you're from, even though you have a different last name. Um, like, but the moment that you're outside of a context that knows you and knows you personally, you can reinvent yourself. And that is an option that is there, which very few people take advantage of because there are so many advantages of belonging to the family that you usually belong to. Um, And we're very, family ties are everything to us. We're very social, we, community is everything. We don't necessarily define ourselves as individual we define ourselves as as a tribe as a community as a family before anything yeah and that's part of that identity and like the thing of like what are you when I came to Canada for me it's like what am I like the things that I would say what I am I didn't I didn't I never had to say I was black I grew up in Africa so that wasn't part of an identity that I ever had to like piss do anything with i never had to say i was queer because queerness is what is and i didn't need to 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 say that um the thing that i would always have to identify myself as or the thing that i that i identified myself as the most at least within my family was my my uh my tribe and the kind of the kind of personality traits that come with like the women of my tribe and how we're known as being hard-headed and but bosses and we we get shit done and we're like and and we are yeah like all of that like the pro- the, the identity piece for me was very much oh you mean my tribe like the character traits, like how I'm going to show up in the world. It's like, no, tell us, tell us which genitals you would like on your face. And I'm like, I, we all of them <laughs> <laughs> when it came to sex and identity for me, I, and I'm still a little bit confused about that. And, and um I have chosen queer mostly because it is the one that is most catch-all. And so with that, at 17, 18, what happened was this blossoming thing that was happening around sexuality suddenly got slapped with shame. Mm -hmm. And that was, it wasn't a foreign concept. I had seen it peripherally, but it hadn't applied to me yet. And suddenly yeah. in Canada, there was this piece of, you should be this place where it's supposed to be all open was the place for me where suddenly there was a shame attached to sexuality.
0: And the, and the shame being that you didn't feel like you fit yeah into the categories that were being
1: yeah it was oh you, and and the what it did to me in that moment was get me to to hide because there were too many boxes that I had ticked and all the boxes in the moment that a that new box appeared I would take that one too so because the boxes yeah. I was like oh I, I can't let anybody know that I tick all the boxes or Mm. I will never be allowed. I was also like a young woman, new in a country with no relationships and all, none of that. And I have mentioned the reason why I had to talk about how family is important. Belonging and being a part of family had been everything to me. And suddenly there was this, you come here and you have to create family for yourself. And family comes together based on, again, those characteristics that make you who you are. And if I take all the boxes, I fit nowhere. Yeah. Um, So with Hmm. with sex and sexuality, and that's... The thing is, like, your sexuality and how you go in the world and live your sex decides what kind of friends you make mm. it, it builds the community that you're around it especially when you're 18 that's all you're thinking about really like let's face it you're 18 you're thinking about sex you're you're either having yeah. it not having it figuring out how to not have it or how to have it or who to have it with who not to have it with and 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 mm-hmm. there's no space for you to figure out what you like or don't like. It's space of, like, what is the thing that's going to make me most um, – going to give me belonging the most? Yeah. And, and I think at the time, the choice was so based on where can I belong that it wasn't necessarily based on, who am I?
0: Who am I? What do I want? And
1: and is it okay that that changes over time? Yeah, do I have to commit yeah. to it this felt, category? It felt like you choose one, you get it, that's yeah. it, you're given it, you, they put the tattoo yeah. on you, and, you're, and that's the thing that you get. And I, yeah. Know, and because um, I didn't have the mentorship or, or, or the eldership or the, the thing that it didn't really exist for me at the time, yeah. I, I had no idea that there was a whole world of just be yourself and you'll figure yeah. it out. Because it was also at the same time I had to figure out what am I even studying? I'm 18. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to figure out what I'm doing for the rest of my life, who I'm gonna have sex with for the rest of my life, who like what I'm. It's all the things at once, yeah. And and there are all these options, yeah. yeah. But all these options also close so many doors, and I just was like, I I don't want to close doors. I want to open up <laughs> and see what happens. So yeah. when it came to to my sex life. Oof. Yeah. Did it did it a lot of that change from when
0: you did it? <laughs> did it change the people that you were choosing to have sex with at that time mm. where you started to feel a lot of shame because you didn't feel like you necessarily fit in one of those categories? Mm. Were the people that you choosing different than, say, the people that you were choosing when you started to Figure out that it doesn't actually matter what fucking category. Oh, it's it's actually well, what is it that
1: I want? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because I grew up, so we left Burundi when I was eleven, and when I came to Canada, I came alone. So my family was back. I think at a the time they were still in Zimbabwe and uh, and Congo. Mm-hmm there was also a desire to suddenly feel like I want to be, to belong. And I didn't feel Burundian enough. And I didn't feel anything. I wasn't Canadian. I wasn't Burundian. I wasn't a thing. So there was also part of sexuality was, oh, I should date Burundians now so that I can be more Burundian. Um, And like until later, where I finally had my first Burundian girlfriend. Um, I wasn't finding queerness in the the expat Burundian community that I found in Toronto. So it was very hetero. Um, so I started dating Burundian men, and they had weird sex things. <laughs> hmm. What do you was, mean? Like they were so boring at least the ones that i that i was dating they were so straight-laced and unexciting which had not by the way been my experience from talking to my cousins and things of the sort where the pleasure yeah. of the woman was like why else would you have sex if there's no pleasure Um, And then that's when I realized that the group family I grew up in was unique, apparently. Um, I was taught with my cousins that sex is pleasurable, that it's beautiful, that it's fantastic, that of course you should scream at the top of your lungs of pleasure if that is what you want to do, that orgasms are delicious and fantastic and great as long as you have them with partners. But the particular boys that I found... In Toronto, were boys who would say things like, "You you like sex?" as if it was a surprise. surprise. Yes. So then I came to, to to discover, through sex, that there was a part of Burundi, a big part of Burundi, that I didn't know because I had been cocooned and been in this bubble of people who are who who don't shame about sex. Yeah. In my family, that the actually the larger society was very much about, around, you're supposed to be a, a good girl shouldn't enjoy sex. A good girl should 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 be a tool for the pleasure of man, because that's what a good girl is. And obviously I was a a girl of loose morals. <laughs> since I seemed to enjoy sex. Um, it's
0: amazing, though, that you had that experience as a young person growing up where you were able to develop that confidence.
1: I did, but that yeah. those, those experiences yeah. made me turn around. So when you originally ask a question of, like, when did you or did you always feel... I have a place that I, a time of my Mm. life that I call the dark ages. Mm. Where, because I wanted to belong, I pretty much turned off the sexual aspect Mm. of me. Because it was so shame then, and, and, and and also because I had absolutely almost blissfully ignored or like being delusional enough to not notice any of that up to that point. When it came, it was such a shock and it was at such a point where I was looking for myself and looking for myself mm-hmm. in other people, which is what yeah. you do when you're in your teens, that that what, what the message that came through was, you need to be a different person and you can't be exploring and continuing to be so open with your body with who you are if you want to be a burundian girl eventually i gave that up um and learned that being a burundian girl doesn't have to mean anything else than what it means to me but that was a whole other aspect that was also by the way done through sex and it's so interesting because we can tell our story, our life story, through any kind of lens. We can t- tell it through our work. We can tell it through um, the relationship with our family. We can tell it through the relationship w- with our hair, with our, with with where we lived. Mm. But the story of me through sex, and and sensuality, and getting to a point where now I am, I I am. I am open and continuously learning what my body wants, what it needs, what it doesn't like, what it's very curious about, what it's not curious about, and being just okay with the fact that that is that. What opened you up to that? Oh, what opened me yeah, up to Yeah, like, that? And um, how did
0: you step out of the dark ages? That's what you called it, right? And yes. then what what was it? I don't and I I don't know if it was just this moment or a period of time that you decided to shift
1: mm-hmm.
0: and start to focus more about what feels good for you, what it mm-hmm. is that you want, how you feel like you're living your life more authentically. I think
1: it wasn't a it's not a, it's not a story of butterfly and sunshines it was a proper mental breakdown mm. when because with with shame and guilt and all that stuff when when i had nothing left to to hold on to like you know cuz shame only works when there's something that you have to hide when you have pride to hold on to. That's only that's the only time where actually shame works. Um, where none of that were there. There was an opportunity. This that's the thing when you lose everything. There's an opportunity for a blank slate. Yeah. And through the process of healing and, and going to therapy, one of the things that um, I was given as homework was to make a happy list. and I love my happy list. And one of the things <laughs> that I remembered was like, I love the sensuality of everything. Because I was looking at my happy list and everything just is, is like the sensuality of of an intimate conversation, the sensuality of the taste of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like this is another thing that I've started doing lately is, I I love my coffee black and I realized that I, The first thing that I would have in my mouth was bitterness. So now I've switched it around. I have a little bit of honey and milk in my mouth before I have coffee. I love that. It
0: it changes the whole experience, right? And it's kind of like sex is sort of the same thing. It's like adding (laughs) colors. I love that.
1: It was it was part of healing from depression. It was mm-hmm. adding color into my life and remembering that the way orgasm feels for me—it's just I feel it in the tip of my hairs, in the tip of my nails, in places mm-hmm. that usually don't—they don't have nerve endings—but I feel it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, if that's not joy, what is?"
0: <laughs> I don't think there is yeah. another yeah. better feeling that you can give yourself like it feels like such a gift
1: (laughs) and then also sitting with because I had like with depression I had broken with spirituality I had broken with everything Mm. everything so there was a space of like what does spirituality mean to me what does prayer feel like to me and I was like when do I feel the most connected to everything, which is my version of spirituality. And to me, that was orgasm as well. Wow. It's like, wait, is orgasm yeah. a prayer? And I was like, Well, I must pray every day. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and and being okay with saying things like orgasm is prayer for me. Yeah. And what it takes and the connection, the intimacy, the connection to spirit. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, sex has become a spiritual endeavor. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh. Whereas before, I was just doing it for doing it. Now, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like you know, there's an altar that you put for it. It, it is intentional. It is. It doesn't look like anything like what I thought sex looked like before. Now sex is, sex is whatever it is in that moment. And sometimes it's just an intense hour of just touching each other's hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the kind of person that can orgasm when just based on someone's telling, someone telling me to do so.
0: Oh, okay, wait, 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 wait hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> wait, okay. <laughs> I just need to understand this for a second. Yeah. For you, it sounds like when somebody tells you to orgasm, it's already, I imagine it to be already part of a very sensual Oh, yes. experience right where it's probably I imagine like the arousal is building the desire is building and that a way of saying it just adds mm-hmm. to
1: it it yeah it is the, it whole hits exp- the spot yeah it hits the spot and it is um yeah I think now my my sex life is transcended the physical for me Mm. um it is it it is yeah it's it's in everything it's in everything yeah it's it's
0: intellectual too right
1: it is yes like there's a physical aspect to it but it's also in in relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an art. It's an art making. Like when I make art with someone or just work with someone, yeah. or do something with someone, it's in relationship. It's in relationship with others, with myself as well.
0: Yes. And,
1: and and it's within that relationship that the pleasure is, that the, the orgasm, which is, me elevated into something that can be continuous mm. and you know like you i'm sure you've had one of those conversations that makes you feel like makes you feel an orgasm and sometimes mm. yeah there there have been moments where for example i mean i'm in a circle of up, up, sisters, and we're we're bringing in energy together, and and which is all these things that now I do, and 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 yeah. this moon ceremony, and we're going around, and we're ululating and vocalizing, and suddenly I'm coming, and I'm like, why am I coming when all I'm doing is standing on the stand, just holding hands with other people, and I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm just getting orgasms, <laughs> and it is, and they're physical. <sighs> and i am um,
0: that is amazing
1: i'm am orgasmic and as i stand there and nobody has touched any bits of me in that way yeah. besides my hands but that experience and that connection that spiritual connection so i'm in a wonderful place right now where the connection to spirit is also a connection that brings me orgasm which by the way for is to me the most like catholic thing ever because you know how like nuns were said to 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 transcend everything and just be in bliss and i'm like i get it now they were just getting orgasms from jesus it's cool <laughs> I'll try to work on
0: that conceptualization. Just just go to Jesus. Jesus will give you all your orgasms. The nuns that I dealt with when I was younger, they They did not seem like they were having (laughs) orgasms every day.
1: That's the problem. They had limited their religious experiences to things that are of the flesh in so many ways. Had they tapped in a little deeper, they would have gotten orgasms from Jesus. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I love it. Um, Getting to. I love it. Getting to no longer separate sensuality from my life and, 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 Yes, yeah. I have all these uh, front-facing identities, and I show up in different spaces as as a coach, as a mm-hmm. mentor, as a business strategist, as a um, as a facilitator, and I'm a holder and maker of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I didn't show up in all my sensual self, the spaces that I would make would not yeah. would not be as rich. So. Um, sex is in everything and and you know sensuality is in everything that i do and 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 everywhere that yeah. i show up um and i i live in a very 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 curvy body um that can't even pretend to not be what it is <laughs> <laughs> Which comes with its own things. But yeah. I have just mm. learned lately too. Through healing from depression. To embrace all the things that have always been there. but, yeah. However, with a bit more maturity now. And intention. And... Gentleness. Um, yeah.
0: Do you find that the people that you are around now, the people who are in your circle, your friends, would you say that they are quite similar to you? In that, do you have people that you can share oh, this?
1: Yeah. I, I think I relationship
0: talking,
1: that you I was, have. I was talking about um, the fact that we are fifty percent of each interaction. Because this is what mm-hmm. I show up with. That's yeah. That that's the piece. That's the piece that people attach to. That's the point that we start. It's the place of of, of spirit, of joy, of love, mm-hmm. of connection, mm-hmm. of sensuality, of intimacy. Yeah. Whether it be during a very deep strategic meeting or a conversation on the ba- on the park or a love making session yeah. with one of my lovers it's all based in the mm-hmm. in me showing up fully as i am and yeah. with the invitation of where are we going with this i don't know let's figure it out
0: um i could talk to you forever and there's so many things that i want like i could like do 3 shows on <laughs> your different sexual experiences that you've had or or like when you're dancing with all these women and you're having that experience just to learn about what that is that I feel like we could just talk about this stuff forever. Um, Thank you so much for being here, Fatima. Thank you so much.
1: Where
0: can people find you?
1: Okay, so I have a, an Instagram that I put little things on called The Joy Bon Bon. Um, I also run an organization called Social Awesome, spelled social, like social, and awesome, A-U-S-U-M. And uh, I make spaces. I make spaces where people get to come and be brave together and build I also mm. build kick-ass revenue mm. models that are impactful. Amazing, okay. And everything Maybe that I, I do it. is from love and joy.
0: I'm gonna follow you on Instagram as soon as we get off. <laughs> Thank yes, you so please. much, Fatima. It was <laughs> such a pleasure. If you have a question, a confession, or an inspirational story, send me an email to the confession booth at michelle at And you just might hear it on the air. I hope you enjoyed Get Some. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, subscribe to wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And until then, be kind to yourself, be curious, and when you're ready, your sexual journey will unfold.